With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Hang Out in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation site covering all things Ohio State Athletics 24-7, 365. My name is Matt Tamanini, and I'm coming to you in the middle of the Build up to the Michigan State football game still reeling from the beatdown at the hands of the Iowa Hawkeyes because whether you realize it or not, the 2017-2018 Ohio State basketball season starts this week as the team hosts Robert Morris on Friday night at 7 p.m. from the Value City Arena. Now, a lot has changed since the last time the Buckeyes took to the court, most notably that Thad Mata, the winningest coach in Ohio State men's basketball history, is no longer leading the program. He was fired or whatever other euphemism you want to use back in June and fairly quickly after was replaced with another former Butler head coach Chris Holtman. More on him in a minute. Also gone are players Mark Loving, last year's lone senior, but also Trevor Thompson who left early and is now playing for the Golden State Warriors G League team where former Buckeyes go to dominate but never get a shot at the NBA. Also absent from the roster is Jaquan Lyle who quit, then maybe didn't quit but did and then tried to come back but Holtman wasn't having it, as well as modestly used players like Jimmy Dent, David Bell, and Derek Funderburk. The former deciding to end his playing career to focus on academics and the latter two looking for greener pastures elsewhere. Behind the eight ball a bit, Holtman had to scramble to rebuild a young and depleted roster, and while it was slow going at first, the new head coach was able to find some success in bringing along Kyle Young, an Ohio native who had been committed to Butler, keeping Mata's best recruit for the class, Caleb Wesson, in the fold, and convincing Indiana guard Musa Jallo to reclassify from a 2018 recruit to 2017 in order to join the Buckeyes right now. Now, if you weren't able to keep up and get all of that down on your scorecard, fear not, because we are joined now by the Mad Hatter of Central Ohio Sports Reporting, Pickerington Tiger and Ohio Bobcat legend, my friend, 97.1 The Fans' Lori Schmidt. Lori, thank you for bringing a much-needed level of class and professionalism to the proceedings. So, I I think we have to kind of start at the top here. Uh, I I don't think that anybody close to the program or anybody who is a fan and watches from afar has anything but great things to say about Thad Mata, but I would imagine, myself included, that a lot of people thought that a change was not necessarily a bad thing. Now that we've had Chris Holtman at the helm for a few months now, have you seen any discernible differences between the end of the Mata reign and the beginning of the Holtman uh, regime? Small changes, Matt, Um, especially in that this group is more social media savvy. You actually see them online. They do a little bit better job of marketing in that respect. Um, Thad was always great with the media, but I would say that Chris is a little more active in seeking out media opportunities. And maybe that's just because he's new. He has to sell the program. He has to do those things. But those are small steps. And I think that they show that what Chris Holman is really trying to do is to connect with his athletes. And I think that connection is what Thad Mata lost a little bit toward the end of his tenure. 
Well, and, and one of the first things that he said, thinking back to his introductory press conference, was that Holtman and his whole program wanted to reach out to former Buckeyes and get them involved in the program. And obviously, you bring in a guy like Scooney Penn to be the director of player development. That says a lot. But I know he's also been reaching out to a lot of other former players. Just yesterday, you're talking about Twitter. I saw him talking about how well Jared Solinger's doing in the Chinese Basketball League. So, I mean, he's obviously making some efforts to do that. And to be honest with you, Laurie, it kind of makes me feel like he's taking some lessons from how Urban Meyer is doing things with the football program, a great social media apparatus that they have. But then also another thing they're probably borrowing directly, if not stealing from the football program, is after every game, the basketball team will now be singing Carmen, Ohio with the fans and with the pep band that's in attendance, whether it's at Value City Arena. I don't know if they travel on the road or not, but are those the type of things that you think are, are Holtzman is trying to kind of endear himself to the larger Ohio State community? Or do you think there's something more behind things like that? I think there's a little something more behind things like that. I mean, let's face it. He comes from Butler, a program that had great tradition. I think he knows how important tradition is. So I, I think that he is reaching back to Ohio State's tradition just yesterday. In fact, he said that he is seeking actively opportunities to play at St. John arena. So, um, he is, (laughs) yes. Yeah, that is very, very cool. He is definitely looking to connect with the program's past as well as its future. And the Scooney pen thing is really interesting to me because not only is he having Scooney pen reach out to some of those alums, they are actually sending Scooney pen on the road to watch some Buckeye players in the NBA, to watch their games in person. He is visiting them as they play their NBA games. So is that just to to reach back and try to establish more updated relationships with those players? Or, I mean, to me, I don't know that there's any necessarily – you know, recruiting value to something like that in the immediate, you know, future to there. But is it just kind of saying we – understand how important you are to the history of this program. We want you to be to we want you to feel like this is still your program. Is that really what that is all about? Yeah, there is that is that's a big part of it. I think the other thing is you want those players to continue to come back for open gyms because there is where there is a recruiting advantage. So for instance, when um D'Angelo Russell had a little problem with, you know, Ohio State parting with the coach that he had played for and admired so much, it was important to them to reach out to him so that he would maintain that connection to Ohio State so that Ohio State could continue to point to D'Angelo Russell and said, here's a guy who works out with us in the offseason. Don't you want to come out and work with a guy like that? Hmm. So I, I think there is a little bit, I mean, some of it is, again, just a healthy respect for tradition. But Recruiting, as you pointed out, he's learning from Urban Meyer. Recruiting is everything at Ohio State. Yeah. So moving from kind of the things he's doing off the court to, you know, the most important things, the play on the court, in the games, what type of team and what kind of on-court philosophy, whether it's offensively or defensively, can we expect from Coach Coach Holtman and his crew, and will it be a kind of a different approach? Do they have run different systems than Mata does? What do we expect from this team from an X's and O's standpoint? A little hard to tell yet. We haven't seen them play at all, so you know sure. there there are some things that we're going to have to learn on the fly. And the other thing is, he doesn't he has a roster that he inherited, so there may be things that he <laughs> wants to do from an X's and O's standpoint that he just simply can't yet. 
what we do know is that he's a guy who values versatility in his players. At one point, he says that he doesn't even see value to labeling players one through five like a lot of other coaches do because he's going to have those guys all over the court. Uh, another thing that we expect is that he will place great emphasis on efficiency. Um, he talked yesterday about valuing analytics, and efficiency was one thing that he really, really values. Um, the other thing that he has said that I find interesting, the, the players have talked about how fans are going to be shocked by their effort this year, which in a way is kind of sad because yeah. <laughs> you know, Jay Sean Tate said, at any point, they're going to have five players on the court who are willing to dive in the third row for a loose ball. Um, and they admitted that that's something that they lost last year. But uh, apparently Chris Holtman is bringing that back. Yeah, I, I don't. That, that's kind of like the uh, the Kyrie Irving uh, comment from earlier this week where he said that he was thirsting to play for an intelligent coach. That was kind of a backhanded slap at Tyrone Liu. To me, Jay Sean Tate's comment like that, that's kind of a offhanded diss at the previous regime. I mean, I'm sure that's not the way he he meant it, but that is not a great light to be putting Thad Mata and his coaching staff under. Mm, I think Jay Sean Tate would say that it's an indictment of the players, not an indictment of the coach. I mean, yes, Thad Mata failed to get the most out of his players, but I mean, I think part of that was the players just gave up on Thad, which if you're giving up on Thad Mata, I'm sorry, you're lost as yeah. a basketball player because how you could not want to play for that guy is just beyond me. Well, speaking of not you know, wanting to play at Ohio State, the roster is significantly different <laughs> from last year, either because <laughs> yeah. you had people graduate like, uh, uh, like Mark Loving or Trevor Thompson leaving early, even though I mean, really, he he kind of left on time because he had to sit out a year when he transferred into Ohio State. So I don't really hold that against him. But you've also had some players who have transferred or stopped playing basketball. Jimmy Gent, David Bell, Derek Funderburk. But we do have a core for this Ohio don't State team. That, oh, and, and players right, who didn't even play for Ohio State. Right, exactly. Like, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a roster that. There are a lot of new names, but there is a core for this team that has some experience with someone like Jay Sean Tate that you mentioned, as well as um, C.J. Jackson and Cam Williams and Keita Bates-Diop. So they're not completely without experienced players. But I would imagine with a roster as young as it is, as it is and a lot of walk-ons, that they're going to be relying heavily on those returning players, especially the senior from our alma mater, uh, Jay Sean Tate yes. from Pickerington. Yes, go Tigers. Um, so... Is the team going to kind of revolve around those returning players, or how much are we expecting to see younger players like a Caleb Weston or a Kyle Young or a Musa Jallo, who's been getting a lot of press in the recent weeks? How much are we expecting some of these young players to be integrated from day one? Well, I would expect the young players to be integrated from day one simply because they have no depth without them. I mean, uh, the other thing, the other player you're going to see, and I don't know where to classify him on your scale of experienced player or not, because he has experience, just not at Ohio State, is Andrew Dockage, uh, who I think they're going to rely on much more than Michigan ever relied on him. So, really? Uh, okay. He, I didn't yeah. expect that, Lori. I did not expect you to throw out an Andrew Dockage reference when we're talking about players making a contribution. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, he's going to be a depth guy that I think is important for Ohio State. At least Chris Holtman is leading us to believe so. If nothing else... Uh, we have been told on multiple occasions that Andrew Dockich is a player 
who raises the intensity of practice. Okay. So maybe, maybe we won't see him on the court a whole lot during games, but he's having an impact already. So I, I don't think that we can rule out the fact that he's putting his stamp on this program a little bit. Um, hmm. But yes, the, the players that Ohio State is counting on a lot, Jay Sean Tate, Kata Bates-Diop, Cam Williams, those guys. And I think that the fact that Jay Sean is listed there is important because one thing that we've seen the past few years is that the players who were ready to lead, who were the heart and soul guys, weren't the guys who were making an impact on the court. And so that there was a disjointedness when it came to leadership because the guys who were expected to be leaders were laid back and and couldn't show fire and sometimes had bad body language. Um, But now... Lori Schmidt is now subtweeting half of the 2016-2017 team. So that's fine. Go ahead, Lori. Carry on. Carry on. IRL. I'm I'm subtweeting them IRL. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, but, you know, it, the players now who are expected to make the most impact on the court are players who have shown leadership qualities. And I think that's really, really important for this team. I mean, it's not a situation, I don't think, where Thad Mata last year famously, when asked about what he knows uh, to expect from the effort of his team, mimicked a coin flip. Uh, I don't huh. think we're going to see that so long as players like Jay Sean Tate are the players who are expected to carry the team. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm maybe a little bit more bullish on this team than I think a lot of people are, and maybe that is my uh, Ohio State alumni status or whatever. But you know, I just feel like things went so poorly last year that yes, they only won seven Big Ten games. But if you look back at the schedule for the 2016-2017 team. Eight of their losses came by one possession or less. And then there was a handful of other ones that were by three or four or five possessions. So games that they were in late. So there's just something about a program having a turnover at the top and getting in some fresh blood and then also getting out some players like you've talked about that were kind of a drain on the energy and a drain on the focus and a drain on the effort to where I think we might see a discernible bump just because of a, you know, not to, this might be overstating it, but cutting out the cancer, I feel like there might be an actual raise in the performance level that many people are just discounting at this point because the roster is so thin and so young. Yeah, I I would definitely agree. I would also say that uh, the Big Ten a little bit is in flux. I don't think that some of the opponents this year are going to be quite as strong as what Ohio State faced last year. Uh, and they, even that was a down year for the Big Ten. So, but yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there, Matt. In fact, I think you said it very well. I might not go so far as to call some of the players that are gone a cancer. Right. They were exactly. more. And they were more a little bit of an energy drain. They um, were. A, they were a mononucleosis, is what they were. Yeah, <laughs> that actually. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, well, that is. Yes. Pickerington education. Yes, <laughs> uh, you can see it coming through there strong. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah it, they were energy drainers. They were, uh, and it wasn't anything they did so much as the things that they didn't do that were causing problems. You know, they they didn't know how to fire up their teammates. They didn't know, you know, how to, I'll give you an example from Jay Sean Tate again, both because he's from our alma mater and because he's really a heart and soul player. Jay Sean yesterday said that Chris Holtman called him out after practice in front of all his teammates 
for not having handled adversity well in that practice. One, that's an incredible mm-hmm. honesty from him, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm, I, you know, which means he's being honest with himself. And that's a trait I'm not sure how much we saw it mm-hmm. in some of the the previous players, players who are no longer here. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he embraced it, that he wants that coaching, also a trait that might have been lacking in some of the, the previous players. So if we see more of that, I definitely agree with your assessment that a team that isn't expected to do anything at all could do a little more than that. Well, and I think another thing that is a point that needs to be looked at, and it kind of plays in well to what you just said about the Big Ten being down, is because the Big Ten has expanded the number of league games, Ohio State has seven teams that it will only play once. And of Mm -hmm. those seven teams, four Five of them, you could say, are in the top five, six, maybe seven of the teams in the league. They're only going to play Michigan State once, and they're going to play them at home. They're only going to play Maryland once, and they're going to play them at home. They're going to play Wisconsin and Purdue on the road, but they're playing Northwestern. It's technically a a road game, but they're playing at the Rosemont, which is not on Northwestern's campus. And having lived in Chicago, I can tell you that outside of Evanston – Nobody cares about Northwestern. Um, and they're also only playing Minnesota in a neutral site game. So those are four, five, six of the best teams in the conference. And they're only going to have to play them once, which means they're playing teams like Penn State and Rutgers and Iowa and a down Indiana twice. So where you can expect that they could probably get a few more wins out of the lower rungs of the Big Ten because they're playing them multiple times and only have to go up against the heavyweights once. Agreed. Agreed. I am. The only thing that I disagree with is that there is no interest in Northwestern outside of Evanston only because uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus is driving that bus now. Yes, that's and, fair. And the, the team did generate a little enthusiasm last year. Um, so first, yeah, first ever NCAA tournament appearance. Sure. But there's so much else to do in Chicago. And to be honest with you, the Rosemont is not exactly close to Evanston. It's a 30 to 40 minute drive, depending on traffic. So I know they're doing updates and and renovations to the arena, but I just, I don't see that being an overwhelming home advantage for the Wildcats when the Buckeyes head up there in January. Oh, certainly not as much as playing on campus would have been. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that definitely. You're spot on as usual, Matt. Well, I I, I do my research, <laughs> but so so as <laughs> going we're looking, so far as to live in an opponent city, apparently. Exactly, first job out of college. Yeah, so uh, there you go. But so we're looking at this team, and I think we're both kind of at the same place where it seems to be a lot of the media surrounding the Big Ten has Ohio State pegged in that eleventh, twelve spot, which you know is probably fair given what we saw last year, but. You know, I don't know that they'll be much higher than, you know, 500, but I really think that this team is going to be a lot more fun than they were last year. Like I said, they lost whatever, whatever it was, eight games by possession or two, but even the games they won, man, they were not enjoyable to watch. I feel like even in games that Ohio State loses this coming season, they're going to be competitive a lot of for the, the reasons that you said, that they're going to have a lot of effort. And I just feel like there's a fun and an energy and an excitement about this team that, quite frankly, was lacking for a number of years, maybe since D'Angelo Russell left, heck, maybe even going further back than that, that I think will be a kick in the butt for this program and hopefully will get fans and students excited to support the program, as I am sure Chris Holtman will continue to raise the bar in coming years. 
I heard an Ohio State fan something say something that I thought was unintentionally profound. Uh, he said, my expectations for this team are lower than they have been for years. And I am more excited about this season than I have been in a long time. And I think that's the way a lot of Ohio State fans feel right now. If for no other reason than the curiosity factor, they want to see where Chris Holtman is going to take this team. Uh, There is a lot of curiosity about Chris Holtman himself. He's not a guy that Ohio State fans were necessarily really, really heavily familiar with his work. Right. As quality as a coach as he was, he's kind of a guy that was sort of flying under the radar. So, yeah, I think there's a curiosity factor there, too, that has a little juice and energy, if not to the team, at least to the fan base. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that one fan who, who says that Ohio State fans, regardless of their expectations in terms of wins and losses, are expecting a more exciting product. And that's really all you can ask for at this point with because, like we've said, the roster is so depleted. If As long as they compete, like that should be a positive, productive season moving forward because, yes, they're going to lose a, a Jay Sean Tate after this year. They're going to lose a Cam Williams after this year. And even, I can't believe I'm saying this, Andrew Dockich after this season. Um, <laughs> but they're going to have players who hopefully should get experience enough to propel this program back to where a lot of the fans will be able to expect something positive out of it. So I, I'm more excited about this uh, than I thought I would be, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not the only one. Yeah, and I tell you what, there are a lot of people who are very, very excited about what Chris Holtman has done on the recruiting trail. So yes, mm-hmm. you're going to lose some players after this season, but what he has done in recruiting, although, I mean, there was some hope that uh, he would get some of those 2000 18 kids from Ohio and, and, you know, just didn't, didn't get into the program on time to do that, that there is still some excitement about what he has done in terms of recruiting for the Ohio state's future. Yeah. Earlier in the fall, maybe late summer, yeah, I think it was fall. He had like four players from the top 300 commit over the course of a week. Mm-hmm. I think only mm-hmm. one of them was from Ohio, but there, there was some momentum it, but that brings up a point kind of going back to the very beginning where we talked about the transition from Mata to Holtman. I wonder what would have been different if Gene Smith had pulled the trigger along with Thad Mata, because I think there was a, a quite a bit of discussion and not necessarily negotiation, but, you know, um, um, interaction on this decision. If they'd done this in, I don't know, April or May instead mm-hmm. of late June, I mean, do you have any insider reporting on what finally was the thing that said, okay, this is the right move to make as painful as it certainly was? Ironically, I think it was recruiting. In fact, yeah, Gene Smith is, I, I, it's not like we've had to do investigative right. reporting. Um, although we do have, interestingly enough, 97.1 The Fan did obtain the last performance evaluation that was done for Thad Mata. Hmm. And it it was fairly good. Um but one of the things that was mentioned was recruiting in that as an area that uh, really needed worked on. And I think Gene Smith looked at that 2018 recruiting class and said, we're just, we're not going to get any of them. Uh, they're so talented. They're, they're expected to do so much. They're in our backyard. And I sense no enthusiasm for, and let's face it, one of the big problems that Thad Mata faced was his health. And yeah. Recruit the recruiting trail is where that was hurting him the most. So um, 
I, I think that's what Gene Smith looked at. And ironically, Chris Holtman maybe came up dry on those players that Gene Smith was looking at and mm. saying, those are the kind of guys we need to get in. But then he cleaned up, as you said, in that one week and got other players that maybe aren't around to contribute this year, but definitely will have a hand in the future of the program. Yeah, he definitely pulled some rabbits out of the hat with this 2017 season, getting somebody mm-hmm. like Kyle Young to come over from having been committed to Butler, getting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, keeping Caleb Wesson in the fold, and then getting Musa Jallo to reclassify from the 2018 class into the 2017 class. So he definitely was able to somehow muster a halfway decent 2017 class, even though yes. there's a lot of other guys who are probably you know, more of the walk-on level of player, but he's he's done fairly well in this short period of time. That just makes me a, a little, you know, makes me a little disappointed that this change wasn't made early enough for maybe mm-hmm. Holtman to have a swing at some of those high-level Ohio kids who are going on to play at places like Duke and other places. Oh, definitely. And another thing that you see in these guys, uh, they came in, Kyle Young, Musa Jallo, oh my gosh, they don't look like freshmen. They, they just don't. Musa Jallo is only 17 years old. Physically, they do not. And that brings up another point. One of the things that Chris Holtman did is bring in a new strength coach, which I, I'm not going to knock the previous regime in terms of their strength program because I have seen before and after pictures and it was incredible. But with the new emphasis, maybe some newer techniques, the program has been updated a little bit. And I think that has been paying off for them. Uh, Coach Q has done a remarkable job. They also have a uh, nutritionist who works with the program full-time now for the first time. She also works with other Ohio State programs. But this is the first time that they've had that. So um, physically, this team should be more capable of playing. Well, and again, not that they're stealing the idea of having a really good strength coach from the football program, but yeah. <laughs> um, but the football program, I mean, one of the coaches that you always hear Urban Meyer talk about is Coach Maradi and how important he is to the success of the football team. And if you can have somebody on the basketball side where, you know, there's not as much physical banging as in football, but the endurance that they have to be able to, to play with in basketball is a lot higher. And when you don't have a lot of depth, that's going to be important. So hopefully we're able to see this borne out on the court over the next few months. But Lori, before we, we get out of here, I think it would, you know, you're in Columbus. I'm not. We're talking basketball. So I think it would be a little bit um, disingenuous if we didn't talk just a smidge about the women's team at Ohio State. Coach McGuff has a a, a great team coming back. Kelsey Mitchell's already gotten a lot of preseason awards. What is your take on this year's Ohio State women's basketball team? Uh, a program that, that uh, Coach McGuff has been building toward. I, I mean, Ohio State, keep in mind, they have known where the women's Final Four is going to be for a long time now. Mm-hmm. And Kevin McGuff has been shooting for that. So... This is a program that he has been building. There are previous years where he went without a little bit of the depth that he might have wanted for that season because he was keeping an eye on the future. Hmm. Um, so I, I think that he he has built this program. It is on a roll. Kelsey Mitchell, I mean, there, <laughs> there was the possibility that she would have left for the WNBA after right. this past season. Um, there are, you know, I know that not everyone knows this, um, and I'm 
not demeaning the people who don't know it. It's just the lack of familiarity. There are women who leave their programs early for the WNBA. It happened in the Big Ten this past year. Mm -hmm. Uh, It did not happen at OSU with Kelsey Mitchell. She is an outstanding player. Um, So I, I think Ohio State fans should be very excited for the program this year. And I think that Kevin McGuff deserves a huge kudos for his scheduling. Uh, they they take on opponents that a lot of other programs would shy away from. Um, they've got this big kickoff event yeah. that they're going to play in, and uh, you know they're they're really working hard to generate enthusiasm. So I, I hope the community embraces it because he deserves a lot of kudos. The women deserve a lot of kudos because they are doing great things. Yeah, the Ohio State women's basketball's first non-exhibition game of the season going back to is going to be played at St. John arena and it's going to be against Stanford. Like that's not, Mm -hmm. that's like Ohio state football opening up, you know, with, with Oklahoma. And if they'd have done it in game one, like that's not something that you normally see. And again, in basketball, if you take an L in the first game is not a big of a deal, but to be able to play Stanford as your first game is huge. They've also got, you know, program they're playing Duke and they're playing Florida. I mean, they're not shying away on that side either. So that's, that's really exciting. And again, I got to give a little shout out here. My uh, fraternity brother, Patrick Klein is the associate head coach for the team. So uh, good for him. Uh, He's been with that program for a long, long time. So I think it's exciting, you know, whether, you know, the women are probably going to have a lot more on-court success than the men this year. But I think there's mm-hmm. a lot to be excited about from both programs. So, uh, you know, everyone's super focused on the football team right now for obvious reasons. And with, a, you know, a, there's no surprise there. But I think as the as the basketball teams start to take to the floor, there's no shame in kind of splitting a little bit of your football-focused interest off and switching it over to the hardwood. Because I, I think they're going to be fun to watch. I think basketball in the state of Ohio is fun to watch, regardless of... You know, whether the Cavs are winning or losing, they're quite the soap opera right now. So, (laughs) I mean, you you would think that uh, there would be a lot of enthusiasm. And, and, you know, Cincinnati, Dayton, Xavier, these are programs that should generate excitement for the the Saul, you know, our guy Saul at Ohio. (laughs) I was going to say, you didn't throw in the Bobcats at all there, Lori. I was surprised. Uh, Because I I was saving the best for last, Matt. Oh, okay. You know, they, they they should be generating enthusiasm. There should be a lot of, you know, Ohio should be as much of a basketball state as any in the country, personally, in my biased opinion. Yeah, well, I, I don't know that it will ever compete in terms of, of football, but I, you're right. I mean, there's no reason that we shouldn't have as much attention on on basketball other than the fact that there's only so much attention that we can spare and football mm-hmm. takes up so much. Now, fortunately, the Browns and the Bengals are so awful that we kind of can kind of, you know, get rid of them from our interest level and yes. just kind of focus on college football in the state of Ohio. But but yeah, I, I'm excited about the basketball season and, and I, I hope other people are too because you know, whether it's just because it's a change for the men or the excitement of trying to play in a final four in your backyard for the women. It's going to be a fun few months. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And there should be a curiosity. If nothing else, there should be a curiosity. You should want to see what Ohio State has done to, you know, get this thing moving in the right direction. And um, regardless of what you think the wins and losses total at the end of the year is going to be, this is this is the team. This is, as again, I'm going to quote my, my guy, Jay Sean Tate. They are the Christopher Columbuses. They are the Magellans. They are the the team that sets out first and is establishing something for the teams that will follow them 
under Chris Holtman. So uh, mm. go watch these Christopher Columbuses in Columbus. That's a that's a great perspective for a senior to have who probably came to the program expecting to have a ton of success and hasn't really had as a team the the highs that he probably would have wanted when he came into. But to embrace that you know, mantle of being the first of a new generation of Ohio State basketball team, that says a lot about where his mindset is and how bought in he is to the program. So that's really encouraging. Hey, their records are meant to be broken, but if you're the first to do something, you're never going to be bumped to second. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Real quick, Larry, I want to get you out of here. Other than those four main players we talked about coming back, Tate, Jackson, Williams, and Bates Diop, if you had to pick somebody who you thought would have the biggest impact on this team when the season was over March, April, whatever that is, who would it be? Uh, I know that Musa Jallo has gotten a lot of hype lately, but I think that kind of overshadows what we expect Kyle Young to do. I expect mm. him to have a big hand in things this year. Uh, he was a very highly regarded prospect. Chris Holtman is very familiar with him. Now, the question being, can he get into things really, really quickly? Because he missed a big part of camp because he had tonsillitis. So uh, mm -hmm. if he get things going early, I would say that he'd be the guy that I'd pick as the one I think will have the biggest impact. I, I, I completely agree with that. But I'm going to go just one spot kind of removed to another freshman who was highly touted and missed some time uh, due to <laughs> due to injury. I'm, I say Caleb Wesson, just because as fun as Micah Potter was shooting the three last year, Caleb Wesson is a much different. I don't, again, we're not going to use the, the numbers four or five or whatever, but I would imagine that Caleb Wesson is going to bring something a little different that maybe fits in more with the Chris Holtman style and might be a little bit more of that bigger framed guy. He's got about 30 pounds on Micah Potter. So uh, if he can kind of establish himself into the rotation and to play down low and, and kind of be that front court presence, I, I think he could do something if he's physically able to keep up with the wear and tear that accompanies a Big Ten basketball season. Absolutely. And, you know, a local product. So should generate a lot of interest, too. Absolutely. All right, Lori, thank you so much. I know you got to go do some painting, so uh, I'll, I'll let you go. But thank you for joining us and giving us all your insight. No problem. I'm just going to paint some walls and then decide I don't like the color and then paint them again next week. So sounds like a plan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you for listening to the Ohio State Basketball Preview of Hangout the Holy Land. You can find all episodes of the podcast on LandGrantHolyLand.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. So for Lori Schmidt and everyone at Land Grant Holy Land, I am Matt Tamanini. You can follow me on Twitter at BWWMatt, and you can follow the site at LandGrant33. So enjoy the games against the Colonials on Friday and the Spartans on Saturday, and we'll talk to you soon. Go Bucks. Go Bucks.